Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, this week's episode of the R&R Show is brought to you by Key Enigma. And hello Ruel, how are you doing? Hello Richard, I'm fine. I'm recuperating and recovering from our week in Las Vegas at Dice Tower West. I uh, had a great time, but it's good to be back uh, in the home studio getting ready for another fantastic episode of the R&R Show. Uh, yes, it's definitely good to be back. I have to admit, Jen and I almost didn't make it back. Um, yeah. <laughs> our, our flight got canceled. We were told we'd have to wait two days, literally two oh days for another flight. And we had to go through many trials and tribulations to find some way to get back home. And I won't go into all of that now, but folks, did you know there is an extended version of this show? You can check the links down in the show notes or hit the I up there because we stream about a two hour show live every Tuesday and we do all kinds of wacky stuff, tell personal stories, uh, rank all kinds of games. Do top threes. Uh, but today we are here to talk about the continuation of our shared RR top 100 games of all time after we've had to put it off for a week. But before we get That's to right. that, um, I want to talk about something a little bit heavier about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Uh, first of all, we had a link in last week's show to a fundraiser that had been put together by Matthew Jude of uh, you know Tabletop Tonight Network. And it turns out there were some technical issues there, so that didn't work out. And um, you know anybody who did... Uh, uh, donate to that. We'll get refunds. Uh, me too. I also donated to it. So uh, don't worry about that. But I still wanted to do something. And I want to do something more than just wear a shirt, which is kind of what I'm known for these days. And I was talking with Jen about it at the show, and she was talking with other people about it. And we came up with an idea that is very close to home. And so what we are doing, Ruel, my wife has made a new line of Witwat, which is kind of her signature little glass game pieces that she loves making and people absolutely love. They are in the Ukrainian flags, blue Blue and yellow. They are adorbs, I believe is the appropriate term. And um, for the rest of the month of March, uh, if anybody buys these, 100% of the proceeds will go directly to care.org, who are doing amazing work uh, helping women and children and the elderly specifically. That's kind of their target, uh, getting them food, resources, money where needed um, you know, to get to safety. So you can help out people who are in dire need, and you can get some really, really cool swag for your games, too. Uh, they are absolutely, they're fun to play, and in fact, I'm not just going to show you a picture. Let me um, go ahead and show you these little three right here. Yeah. Now, every time you order one of these, uh, they are these cute little aliens. They've got one eyeball. Maybe they've got a couple of antenna. Maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they're chunky. Every single one is bespoke, made with love by hand from Jen. And uh, like I said, they are available on her Etsy site right now, which you can find at www.gamerglass.art. And again, 100% of the proceeds for the sale of those is going to be going to care.org to help people whose, whose lives have been destroyed by the, uh, by the war that is ongoing. And 
if that wasn't enough to tempt you, uh, we've got an extra little bonus. Uh, we'll just mention that we uh, just got back from the Dice Tower West convention, and we premiered at the convention. Anybody who bought any of Jen's glass got these very, very cool Everdell Rotto promos, which are awesome. Let me turn off the green screen so you can see them in a little bit more detail. Um, these are uh, very, very cool, very fun to play. Uh, I especially love the quote... Live and let live? That's so Rotto. And obviously this little <laughs> lizard is done in the Rotto Running Man style. And so, uh, if you were at the convention, you could get those. But, oh, and Rorel got his. Yep. For the rest of the year of 2022, any purchase at Jen's Etsy store uh, will get you one of these. But how do you get them, Rorel? It is very important. Let me um, uh, bring back up the images when you're checking out, there's a little box where you can type in notes to the seller. Put the word Everdell in there. That's the secret code. You put in Everdell when you order anything, including these awesome little Ukrainian meeples, and you will be able to get the uh, Rado uh, promo pack. So, just wanted to get that out of the way and you know nice. send my best wishes to everybody in Ukraine, uh, especially yeah. Roman, who is a board game geek uh, who got his family out, but then he has decided to stay and um, you know help volunteer. I mean, you know that level of bravery is just beyond me, and it's you know it's being um, displayed every single day. And so we, whatever yeah. we can do to help. Um, you know, definitely. I mean, and you know, if, if, if you have the means, it doesn't have to be through Jen's uh, Etsy store. Uh, you know, there are so right. many great organizations doing so much out there. So definitely, folks, uh, if, if you can, I mean, I understand not everybody can. Um, you know, uh, yeah. we're, we're all in this together. And hey, you know what? While we're at it, you know, totally coincidentally, let's not forget there are plenty of other hotspots around the world, yeah. too, where people right. need our help. So that's right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, friends, if, if you have the means and are able to, we would appreciate it. Um, but as uh, Richard was saying, there are plenty of organizations that you, you can um, uh, donate to or, or help out with um, because, you know, it is, you know, we're, we're not trying to make light of the situation. It is it is what it is. And um, we're here to provide a little bit of maybe temporary, hey, let's talk about games, you yes. know, and uh, so not not to downplay any of that. But speaking of games, Richard, you have a game in front of you. I I'm do have something on my table. Is. Although before yeah, we move on that? to our next topic, what's on Rado's table? If I, both Ruel and I are of a certain age, and last week, oh my gosh, we got pilloried, or not pilloried, but we got pointed out several times that we keep referring to it as the Ukraine, because oh. that's what it was called for our entire lives yes. up until the yes. 90s, and that's hard and to break a habit that you grew up. It is. You're and I wouldn't be surprised if we did right. it just now as well. So you're, you're right. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, yes, so, uh, apologies. Yeah. Don't want to add insult to injury. I, we know it is Ukraine. Ukraine. Um, yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, we, we again, we we grew up uh, uh, hearing the term in one sense, but we we know things have evolved and changed. So yeah. yes, we want to shout out, uh, send everyone, um, you know, uh, just uh, our apologies for that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we we shall move on. We shall move forward now. Let's talk about what the heck is in front of you. Let's yet. talk about some games. Although this, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, this is a tricky one to talk about. This is the Key Enig Enigma series, and they've actually got a new uh, a, 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 a new box set of Escape Room in a Box adventures that are on Kickstarter right now. Um, but they actually sent me a few of their earlier ones, and these things are so big and so cool. But the problem is, if I open this box... Well, I can open the box and stop! Stop! 
Um, you know, if, if this one is all about is set in our modern day world, there are hackers running um, amok, and it's our job by solving lots of puzzles to save the world from this. But you know, it comes. Hey, it tells you, uh, do not open, do not look what's underneath. You open this up. You right off the bat get a little intro. Um, you know, a letter saying, why did you get this in the mail? Because the interesting thing about the Key Enigma series that is really attractive to me. Because I'll be honest, we played a lot of escape rooms at home, and we kind of gotten burned out. But when I saw these, they were very attractive because of their use of technology. The first thing you do after checking out, you know, these cool little cipher cards, which if you played escape rooms, you know, these are going to be interesting. But they also send you to a web page, and when you log into that web page, the whole point of the Key Enigma series, or um, yeah, the Key Enigma series is. This makes you feel more like these are real adventures that are happening in the real world right now that you've been wrapped up in. You are just somebody living in your home who has an internet connection, a smartphone, a computer, and you got this in the mail, and you read this mysterious message, and eventually you follow the website. And I I don't want to go too deep into the website because I don't want to spoil stuff. But let me see. I did queue up. You very quickly come to what looks like you know a completely functioning you know a news page um, with this article. About um, you know, basically, it's an offshoot of the Panama Papers. If anybody remembers that from a few years ago, and it turns out. The Panama Paper scandal was not what we thought it was, folks. There was a lot more going on. And you start digging around here. And this is, it looks like a regular website. You can actually go read about um, the uh, advertisers for it. And uh, uh, you know, and follow all kinds of stuff there, but there are clues hidden. And this is just the beginning. This game is still predominantly all about the cool physical puzzles here. Now, eventually what happens is you start getting more packages in the mail. This was the first package. When um, the game eventually tells you as you figure out the puzzles, you said, hey, somebody just sent me this through DDL. And there's <laughs> stuff in here, Ruel. Big stuff. Heavy stuff. Or somebody sent me something through Key X. And um, <laughs> so the whole point of this is to make it feel like this you're not role-playing something. You're you in the real world trying to yeah. solve this. And you get all these mysterious things that are sent to you in the mail. Now... I don't want to open these. I don't want to spoil them. You can actually go to their webpage. They've got some really nice splash pages. It shows, you know, there's the kind of, you know, uh, you know, 3D glasses. There's, um, you know, r- uh, red lights. All kinds of neat, fun stuff. But their first one they ever did, I've got three. The Calling Card, which is a murder mystery. This one, which is a, uh, you know, hackers are taking over the world. What's really going on game. Their first one was a horror escape room game. It's a little bit less ambitious. And when you open it, you just get everything right away. So I don't feel so bad about you know showing that hey you get maps and you get mysterious cards and you get mm. dotty things and you get all this cool fun stuff this was their first one and you get a sealed envelope do not open this is actually this feels like it's actually real proper wax the production oh, quality wow. from what i've seen from what i have opened is phenomenal but the thing is you keep going back and forth between all of this stuff the real stuff and the digital stuff. You spend your time going through... I mean, they have spent so much time making so many really cool, deep, fully fleshed out web pages. But then you also go to like Google Maps and you look up where real things are in the real world. And you work with agents because um, the digital stuff... You know, a lot of escape room games have to have some kind of system to help you if you get stuck. 
The when you log into their central system, um, you, you always have answers if you ever get stuck. And another thing, this might look and say, "Oh, well, this is an hour-long escape room, right? Like unlock or you know, uh, you know, all those." No, there's four or five or six hours of stuff in here that you will play through multiple nights, and the website lets you save your progress. And if you come back a week later, it'll do basically a previously on and remind you of what you were doing and what you were working on. So they're really using the technology, but not just the websites they make. Um, if, If you're really into the overlap between analog and digital like I am, I was so excited because, um, you know, they will actually send you text messages. They will send you email messages. You will get phone calls um, from mysterious, you know, um, you know, disguised voices. And you'll have to take that information and then apply it back to all of this. All of it because you have found yourself wrapped up in a mystery that you have to solve. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is, there are super expensive escape rooms out there where they actually have actors who will actually walk you through and stuff like that I could never afford one of those in a million years regular escape rooms were kind of too expensive for me and Jen but this you can get that experience they multimedia they have flown around on helicopters and videotape stuff so that your your agents who are out there flying over the jungle in a helicopter um you know so that you can I mean you find all these cool new things and their latest one is on Kickstarter right now there's a link for that down the show notes or you can hit that eye up in the top right corner of screen and um that in a nutshell is the key enigma series it's wow so cool this so go i mean there's been little hints of this specifically in the unlock because you have to have your smartphone and they do some fun stuff this takes that through the stratosphere and it really makes you feel like you not some person that you're having to pretend to be are living through these adventures and it's awesome and again if you check out the kickstarter page they also have deluxe versions of these that have really amazing super components um that you get in the box or you can get just like normal uh you know like the kind of stuff you saw here neat neat stuff and like i said it's kind of rekindled my jen's and my personal enthusiasm for the idea of an escape room in your home because they go so far above and beyond um you know you live in this world it talks to you you have conversations with it which is something that um you know it's competitors just can't quite touch it's very i mean Talk about immersion, right? Yes. I mean, you are immersed in this yes. world. And, you know, just your your description and everything, like, I'm fully interested. I'm so interested in this. I thought immediately of the uh, movie The Game from uh, David Fincher. Oh, my Michael gosh. Douglas, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, man, this is, like, sort of along those lines. You're fully immersed in this world. That's yeah. amazing. I, I, yeah. Wow. I, I, really, really cool stuff. Um, now, I will yeah. say this is done by Spanish designers. And so everything okay. you see, they always have Spanish and English versions of everything. The English can be a little spotty in some places, but okay. it's never a problem. Okay. You never have a hard time. You're like, oh, well, that was clearly not written by a, you know. But so that's really my only complaint. Okay. It's a pretty minor one. Yeah. It doesn't get in the way of the actual fun of discovery and immersion. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So uh, that cool. was the sponsor of the show, Key Enigma, and their incredible series of the fusion of the analog and the digital, taking it farther than anybody else has so far. Awesome. Awesome. All right. That's great. Okay. Okay. So, we've taken care of that. Uh, let's move on to the show, shall we? But no, first, because we're not done talking about sponsors. Uh, Key Enigma yeah. is sponsoring the show, but we have a different sponsor this week for our contest giveaway. Let me go yes. on ahead and bring that back up. Um, Azul. Uh, the the base game plus a very very cool Azul mug which I gotta say I mean you know everybody loves the look of Azul oh. with those really nice style there so you get this really nice mug you get a base game of Azul either 
I know a lot of you have it, and you know it makes a phenomenal gift, because if you've played it with anybody in your life, they've wanted to have it too. Um, or if you haven't, if you've never gotten around to playing Azul, this is your chance to win it, because one lucky viewer this week will get a uh, an Azul bundle sent directly to them anywhere in the world. But, well, how do they get it? Friends, to enter the contest, you're going to be listening to the show, and one of us is going to say the magic secret word, which this week is potato. Yes. Yes, potato, potato, whatever you want to call it. It is potato. <laughs> so one of us is going to say it. And what you want to do is when you hear us say it, you will take a note of what game we're talking about. Right. And it could be potato or potatoes. Listen for either one. Yep. Uh, whatever game we're talking about, send that name of the game to a, in an email to contest at rotto.com exactly okay? and then you'll be entered to win I, i'm gonna tell you i want that mug that mug is cool oh it's that a nice looking mug yes looking i would mug. also like to get yeah. one i might have to pull some strings uh quite pull frankly some strings for me too please <laughs> i'll see what i can do sorry yeah. well as always um you know uh, participants of the rnr show and their extended family are not eligible to enter uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, super that's what i there. figured oh well but yeah yeah i mean <laughs> for the you know, Azul, you, yes Azul is phenomenal. For the rest of you just uh, keep an eye out or keep an ear out yeah. for potato or potatoes. To, uh, take a note, name a note of the game and send it in a subject to contest at rado.com and you'll be entered to win the Azul prize package from Plan B. Exactly. And you have until Tuesday the 15th of March. If you are watching this on the 16th of March, you missed it. It's too late. Uh, but uh, you know, definitely keep an ear peeled for those potatoes. You see what I did there? You peel potatoes. Uh, I literally nice. came up with that halfway through the sentence. Oh, wow. I'm so happy with myself now. <laughs> <laughs> That's but okay. awesome. I love it. We okay. have put off our what we're really here to do long enough. It is time, folks, for us to continue. After a couple weeks off, our top 100 games of all time. The R&R Top 100. And when last we left our heroes, we had done uh, numbers 100 through... Uh, 81, right? Because we've done two mm -hmm. weeks. So now it's 80 yep. to 71. Are you ready, Ruel? Are, are you good to go? Have you, uh, I, did you have any I'm hard times? Or of course, I mean, actually, we've already done this. We actually came up with our list like a month and a half ago. It's easy yeah. peasy. It's yeah. smooth sailing. Now we just got to talk about the games. Just got to talk about them. Yeah. So let's right. start off with our number 80 on our list is Raiders of the North Sea from really? Shem Phillips. Okay. Yes. Yep. This is um, a worker placement game set in uh, the, the North Sea Vikings and um, loading up your Viking ship to go out and um, take over some villages and get goods and gold and all kinds of uh, goodies. Um, I was, you know, th this one was surprising to me only because I've talked about this before. I didn't think my wife, Michelle would like it. Um, she, she really enjoyed stone age. Uh, that, that mm. is a gateway worker placement game. And I feel like this is a gateway, just a little bit more than stone age though. Um, almost a gateway plus. And I, but I didn't think she'd like the theme. She actually enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, as you can see there in the video, you're taking a worker, placing it on a spot, doing the action. But what's really clever is uh, you're going to take a worker off a different space yes. and take that action as well. So it's a really neat, uh, you know, puzzle of trying to uh, time yourself to do the uh, get the actions you want. And then when you eventually have enough resources, you're going to be able to send your ships over across the sea to go attack and fight and do the Viking things. But um, it, it never feels mean or anything like that. I mean, you're just you know gathering resources and stuff. Uh, you'll see, as you can see there in the video uh, as well, that you know they did this video a while ago. Look at this table. Oh my gosh, this, this is this is, is a very old prototype of the game. Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> I love it. 
And you can see uh, all the different cards. You can do things uh, where you can take the immediate action or you can, you know, uh, uh, do ongoing stuff and add them to your crew. It's a wonderful, wonderful worker placement game. And I actually, I put it this high on the top 100 because I was actually thinking of, you know, I would add the ex at least one expansion to it. Uh, mm. The one that includes the, the Mead Hall. I think it's the, shoot, not the uh, Empire something. I, it's I, I Hall of Heroes. Hall of Heroes is the one I would add. And then the other one I think is not as necessary. It's okay. the one that adds the Jarls or whatever. Um, but wonderful game, a great design. And it's it spawned like this whole series of the North Sea. Yeah. You had shipwrights. You had um, explorers, which honestly weren't as good as Raiders. Raiders <laughs> is the shining the shining pearl of the bunch right So here. this is but the beginning and end of North Sea. Raiders on the, North sea. We will not be hearing more North Sea on the list is what you're saying. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's the one right there. Raiders yeah. North Sea are number 80. I agree. It is a brilliant, brilliant design. Um, you know, and it's, interestingly, it's had a couple expansions. Then it had a spinoff called Raiders of Scythia and it takes the same core gameplay um, and yeah. sets it in a completely different historical context with different art and um, like basically different special effects and whatnot that you could use. I personally am kind of, uh, I, I kind of prefer Scythia over North Sea, uh, but I think you prefer North yeah. Sea over Scythia. Why is that? Yeah, so we'd talk, we, uh, you know, we'd actually talked about that during the R&R pre-show. So folks, yeah. if you're just watching the yeah. YouTube video, we actually stream this live every Tuesday and we have a bunch of other stuff that we talk about that doesn't make it into the YouTube video. But yeah, we did talk about Scythia versus the North Sea and I prefer North Sea just because, um, you know, I think it's part of the nostalgia factor for me because this is the one Michelle and I, you know, we really uh, bonded over this one. We we, I, we got into it right at the start of the pandemic, actually. Oh, wow. So this one has a lot of, yeah, a lot of memories of me and Michelle really getting into it. And again, me just being so surprised that she would like a themed game with Vikings and, you know, fighting and stuff like that. It's normally not her jam, but, um, a, a, you know, a lot of it is nostalgia. But at the same time, I do really like the Raiders North Sea just with that expansion. I think it, it does a lot of neat things. Having said that, you did talk me into Scythia because it does include <laughs> those animals. Yeah. Remember, I, I I like the animals in that. So, um, But either, either way, you either can't go wrong. Both the Raider games yeah, are fantastic. It's an yeah. excellent entry at number 80, uh, Raiders North Sea. But it is time to move on to our number 79. And um, unless you surprise me later on, I believe this is going to be the absolute newest game on the list. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number 79 is Ark Nova. <sighs> yeah. Right. Now, have you played Ark Nova? I have not. And I'm sort of kicking myself because we just, again, if you're watching this right now, when it comes out, we had just come back from Dice Tower West. I swear, I think that game was the number one hit at that convention. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it everywhere. But I have I, not played it, unfortunately. I played it three times or three and a half times because one of the games couldn't quite finish i taught it three and a half times and uh yeah it's absolutely it lives up to the hype now sadly i have not done a run through for it yet i'm going to be trying to film that later this week so i've just uh thrown up slicker drips tom heath if you by the way folks okay. if you're a fan of my run throughs you must subscribe to the youtube channel slicker drips because he does everything i do with a british accent and without making any of all the mistakes so uh <laughs> and he did a great little solo run through so thanks tom i've got your video on screen I highly recommend Tom. But yeah, this is a 
This is a very big, very heavy, very long, crunchy Euro game about developing a, a modern, scientifically focused zoo. And the interesting thing about this to me, more than anything else, there's a lot of cool ideas, but I really love that you have an equal amount of focus on just trying to make an appealing zoo that will attract people through the door so you can raise funds. But really what you want those funds to go through, go into, are conservancy um, actions. Because we have two different victory point tracks. And it's a one which is the money we're making or the appeal of the populace and the other one how much good are we doing for these animals and we can do things in this game like release animals to the wild do all kinds of studies uh you know and, and scientific breakthroughs for them and this really exemplifies the best of what um humanity can have in terms of a harmonious you know relationship with these animals i mean growing up as a kid zoos were kind of sketchy. At least, you know, the ones I went to in the 70s. But these <laughs> days, they are peopled by incredibly passionate animal lovers who try to make the habitats perfect for them. And you spend a large amount of time making these gigantic habitats so the animals can roam and, you know, and live quality lives while still raising money to save all the animals who are still out there in the wild. And I love the story of this game, that you really get to focus on both of those things. They're both hard to do. They're both... And the way you do it is through, even though this is a very big, heavy, complex game, the mechanism for selecting your actions. You have five cards in front of you. They are in slots, numbered one through five. If a card is in number three, that means you can do a level three version of it. If it's in number five, you can do a super powerful level five version of it. If I take the level five build action to make a really big enclosure for animals, I can make a size five enclosure for really big cats or something like that. But then it slides all the way down to the one, making everything else better. And now I'm probably not going to build again for a while because it's been, you know, knocked down to being really, really weak. And so managing that queue of actions that you can do in this game is just so rich and compelling. I mean, this game, it's interesting. Like I said, I played it three and a half times at Dice Tower West, and every time I was able to teach this game, every time I taught it, I was able to teach it in like, get people up and running in under 15 minutes. And that is not the case for a game like this, because it's so incredibly intuitive. There's a lot of icons, but they're all put in the exactly right place, so you can kind of build your knowledge of this game as you go. Everybody, um, I, when we got home from the show, the first thing my wife, she heard so many people talking about it. She said, you've got that, right? We're playing that this afternoon. Even though we were <laughs> exhausted from our red-eye flight, we played it immediately. And, uh, oh, and yeah, right after the bit, uh, her first game, of course, she beat me 20-6, to six, um, which, of course, uh, is amazing. But it's a testament to just how easy it is to pick up and play this game, and yet it's big and long and rich. Now, this could have ranked even higher for me. This could have made into maybe like my top 20 of all time except for two things um it's still amazing it's still one of the 10 best games of the year it's still in our top 100 of all time combined but you have to know going in this is a long game even if you get good at this game this is an hour per player and so it is an hour that per player that zips by I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's one of those things where time just melts away. You're so engaged every step. And turns are quick. It comes back to you pretty quickly, usually. Sometimes players have really big super mega turns, but most of the time it, it cycles quickly. My other thing is, for such a long game, there can be a little bit of luck involved. And um, I, you know, that's kind of keeping it down for me a little bit because there are, there are a lot of things the game does to allow you as a player to control that luck um, if you invest in certain things. But there might be players who say, you know what, I'm not going to invest in any of that luck mitigation stuff. I'm just going to hope for the best and draw blind because there's, there's, a, there's a deck of 50 bajillion cards in this game. And they interact right. in thousands of different ways. And um, yeah, there's cards that are on display, but you have to make investments to be able to grab those cards. Whereas somebody could just draw blind and you know what? 
if they win because they draw blind a lot, they don't make those investments, but they always get lucky and get what they want, that's going to happen. And so that just takes a little bit of the shine off for me. Not enough that I'm not keeping this game. Not enough that it's not one of my 10 best games of the year. Not enough that it's not in my top 100 games of all time. But, man, it could have been one of the greatest of all great greats. But uh, And for some people, you know, you, you just know going in, hey, there's a little bit of luck. You know going in, you're going to be in that seat for a long time. But I guarantee, if you like uh, heavy, crunchy Euros that are incredibly smooth and elegant and easy to play um, and just have great power curves, you're probably going to really enjoy Ark Nova. Yeah, that's it's on my list to play. I, you know, all my friends that have played, they've said two things. Number one, you see a lot of negative scores. And uh, <laughs> yes, two, my first game, I believe my <laughs> I, I scored negative two. My yep. second and game, then, uh, I scored thing, 14. My third game, I okay. scored six. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So negative scores. And the other thing I hear is a lot of them are saying this is going to replace Terraforming Mars for them, which I thought was interesting. Yes. Um, you know what? Um, in well, one of the games I played after we were talking about after, and we were, you know, it's, it's impossible not to make comparisons between this and, uh, you know, Terraforming Mars. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of the same way. I mean, you're, you're, you're selecting cards, you're playing them. There's not as much engine building in this game. Most cards okay. you play are just one and done. There are some things, so it feels different there. But honestly, at the end of the day, there's no getting around it. This feels like a Terraforming Mars where everybody has their own little private Mars they're working on. Um, nice. and I, nice. and I mean that in the best possible way. The game is fantastic. Now, um, yeah. one thing is, uh, I mean, we get a step up for me for Terraforming Mars is we didn't, uh, stick with Terraforming Mars in part because of the attack cards. This game mm-hmm. can have really vicious attack cards and there's a bunch of them in the deck. The interesting oh. thing though, is every vicious attack card that steals from each other or puts vices, uh, puts them in vices and all kinds of stuff. They have an alternate action you can do on the bottom of the card. So if all the players agree, hey, let's just play nice. Let's just do those alternate nice actions for ourselves oh, rather okay. than really nasty, I will pound you into the dirt. So if you want to have that really rock'em, sock'em, okay, who's doing best? Oh, yeah, you're literally poisoned now. And until we can have a break, you're going to be poisoned for the next three rounds. Yeah, enjoy bleeding all your cards. Um, then you can have that experience. Or if you don't want to, you can say, oh, yeah, I could have poisoned you, but you know what? I'm just going to give myself an extra 10 bucks instead. Yeah. Okay. Love it. That's Love cool. everything about like it. Except for those little provisos that keep it from being even higher. Arc Nova. Yeah. Arc Nova. Okay, great. Uh, number 78. Let's move on. I'm yes. going to stick to the um, the Animal Park theme here. Our number 78 is Baron Park. Yes. There uh, you go. You know... Michelle and I, we love our um, polyomino games, and this is one of our favorites. Baron Park from a master design, uh, Phil Walker Harding. Mm-hmm. We love all of his games. There's a Baron Park run-through right there. Uh, you see the polyominoes. You're building a park full of bears. Bears. And it's super friendly. It's super cute. And you're taking the polyominoes, placing them, and you're trying to fill up each of your little um, uh, uh, tiles there. And when you do, then you can um, unlock some other tiles um, and... It's just, it's such a smooth playing game. And it's one of those games where you can bring it to, you know, uh, a new gamers. They can, it's easy to pick up, but there's enough strategy involved where, you know, veteran gamers are like, hey, you know, th- this isn't that bad of a game. It's a, maybe almost like a, uh, a little longer of a filler. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to add this on. I think uh, to make this on the, the 78, I think you should really add the expansion. It's a fantastic um, expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the expansion adds, adds the monorails. It's almost like this 3D th- uh, effect to it. So you're building upon buildings. Oh, it's it's a, a fantastic design. Again, if you're a Polyomino fan, this is a fantastic game. That's why it's our number seventy-eight 
Farron Park. I completely agree. And I think the only thing I would agree is I would say this warrants being on the list even without the expansion. I mean, yeah. there's no way this doesn't make everybody's top 10 polyomino tile line games. It's one yeah. of the best. It's not the only time yeah. Phil Walker Harding has um, you know, broached this topic, but oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, Gingerbread House is nice, but yeah. oh, he just so got it perfect on his first try. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely amazing game. So fun, so replayable. Uh, yep. Yeah, an amazing design. Good call. Absolutely love it. All, All right, right, so that was, uh, that was 78, correct? 78. Yeah, let's go to 77. All right, let's do that. Um, folks, the five I'm talking about today are all pretty big, heavy games. And uh, so let's keep uh, going. Let's stay in that vein. We're leaving uh, modern-day animal conservation behind and going back to ancient history for Stephen Bell's Foreign Forum Trajanum, which uh-huh. I absolutely adore. It seems like it's one of the Felds that doesn't get quite as much attention as perhaps you know, I was it should. Ask you, did- yeah, why why did, did it come out at the same time as like Carpe Diem or something like that? It and did. It, it came out the same year as Carpe yeah. Diem. And Carpe Diem of course really blew up. Uh people yep. love that game with good reason. Carpe Diem is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I love Forum Trajanum so much. I mean, this is kind of like, this is peak Feld to me. Because Feld's gone on all, you know, sometimes he has like really big, heavy, grandiose games with a million different levers you can pull. Sometimes he has smaller, lighter, quicker playing games. This is, you know, this ranks up there with his Trajans and his Macaws and those kinds of games. It's big, it's long, it's complex, and yet at its heart, it's so brilliant and elegant. The core of this game is, you know, we are, you know, in ancient Rome, you know, trying to build up the city, build up the Senate, do all the kinds of things we do in ancient Rome. Um, but uh, every round, we have two car- two action cards. We're going to pick one of them. And that defines everything we're doing in the round. And every round, you look at these two cards like, oh, I need to do both of these things, and I must get rid of one of them. Or, ah, oh, neither of these are any good. Oh, how am I going to make one of these work? What am I going to do? It's... What I love about Feld more than anything else is, even though his games are bombastic and full of so many moving parts that all interlock together, at its heart, they always come down to very simple, pure decisions. And that is certainly what this game has going on. Uh, You're investing in a million different things. You've got all kinds of plates spinning all the time. So there's all of this logistical stuff going on all around you. But at its heart, every turn is like, oh, oh, oh. But wait, oh, I didn't think I could do it. Oh, every round. Um, that's If you play with me, that's what you're going to hear. Um, it's, it is one of his best of all time. It so deserves to get more attention. And I think you're right. I think it just came out at the wrong time. We were spoiled yeah. for Felds, and Carpe Diem really got the lion's share of attention. But that's a real shame because Summer 7 Forum Trajanum is fantastic. Yeah, and I, I still need to play this one because I remember when it came out, like we were, my group was in the Carpe Diem, and that's all we played, and then we just totally forgot about Forum Trajanum. So one of these days, I will check it out. One of these days, all right? But not today. Yep. Uh, but you have checked out seventy six. What's that? Yeah, let's check out seventy six, which is Tiny Epic Galaxies. Mm. I'm a huge fan of Scott Alms. I love his Tiny Epic series. This is the best one of the bunch right here, folks. Tiny Epic Galaxies. Uh, you are exploring uh, different planets to colonize, and you do that through dice rolling, which I love dice rolling, and you're building a tableau, and you're unlocking all kinds of special abilities as you go on. Um, what 
the really cool thing about this this design, I, I, which I think is so clever, is uh, his follow mechanism. So whenever you're not the active player, you can spend one of your culture resources to follow an action that another player has taken. Right. As you can see there in the video, you know, one player rolls. If you like that die, hey, you spend a culture follow and you can take get the benefit of that as well i think that's such a brilliant design choice where you're always involved in the game and you can benefit from other people um uh their roles yeah. and uh, as always there are ways to mitigate the dice so if you always get like one free re-roll then you can spend your energy to re-roll dice it's a race to i think 20 or something points 21 points or something like that wonderful game it's one of those games where you see the box the size of the box you don't expect this type of gameplay in such a tiny box mm -hmm. and i think that's why it's the winner um it's my favorite of the series the expansion is good too but the expansion it's funny it just makes it so much bigger and you better have a big table for a tiny game uh but regardless it, it's wonderful that's why it's our number 76 tiny epic galaxies yep i think uh pretty widely regarded as the premier best game in the tiny epic series yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. He really knocked it out of the park. It's got a little bit of take that in it. You know, there there, there yeah. can be some moments of friction between players, so you gotta know right. that going in. But uh, it was a testament to its greatness. Jen and I kept it in spite of that, and we we're super care bears. Nice. But we would still nice. sometimes. Oh, sometimes the teeth have to come out in space, space teeth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and absolutely. One thing, to offset to offset that you can always play solo folks it has a solo variant which is fine and all that take stuff uh, take that stuff doesn't come into play you just play solo against the ai and uh, it's a wonderful solo game nice as well. nice all okay right. cool 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 on the 75 all right number 75 another big heavy hitter <laughs> for me uh a classic one one of the earlier one of the older games in this list actually it is zolkin the mayan calendar Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. This game, you know, when it first came out, people were actually fairly quick to dismiss it. Oh, that's the one with the gears, right? That's just a gimmick. Meh, who cares? It's just a gimmick. But it's like the 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 uh it's so integral to the game because what Zulk in the Mayan calendar does, which you know basically retells the uh, you know early uh life of you know Mayan civilization and whatnot, is uh it, it really focuses on the passage of time. Uh, which, of course, is something you know, those uh, ancient uh, South American civilizations were known for. All their scientific breakthroughs with you know, the, tracking the, the moon and the stars and all that. So I always really kind of appreciate that. But the way time is tracked is, at the end of every round, this central wheel is going to get rotated. That is um, interlocked with, what is it, one, two, three, four, five other wheels. And so all these wheels will rotate simultaneously, and that represents another year passing in the development of your society. And the thing is, this is a worker placement game, and we put our workers on on these wheels and um, once we put them on there we have a tough decision to make how many rounds am i going to keep those workers on those wheels as they slowly move to better and more powerful actions uh because sometimes i need some corn right now but if i can just wait two more rounds he'll get past the corn and i'll be able to get corn and lumber or i'll be able to do a wild card action but i need that corn right now okay Okay, I'll leave him there. I'll leave him there for two more years as the wheel slowly turns and I'll try to figure something else to do. And that is so wonderful. And it really makes... I mean, board games tend to sit there. Just not unmoving. 
just waiting for you to do stuff. But in this game, the board itself is an active participant. Every time it rotates, and you are planning, you, so much heavy play in this game. Right, okay, uh, because I put this worker on this space on this wheel, and my other worker on that one is on the fifth space, I know in two rounds, it'll be on the seventh space, this one will be on the fourth space, and if I activate both those workers at the same time, that will be an amazing combo that will I can then funnel into you know doing more building or whatever it might be that you're trying to do. Because there's uh, this is a point salary type game. There's lots of different paths to victory in this game, but they all come back to being able to perfectly synchronize all your workers on all these wheels. And I will admit, it is a gimmick. It's a really fun gimmick. My only complaint about the game <laughs> is I wish I got to turn the wheel more often, quite frankly. Yeah. Although there is a way. You can make certain sacrifices and get to do bonus turns of the wheel. So I appreciate that too. I love everything about number 75 on the R&R list, Zulk and the Mayan Calendar. Yeah, a, a, a modern classic. And I will mm-hmm. say, I, I love seeing, um, whether it's on BGG or just on Twitter or whatever, people painting those gears. Yes. I mean, some of those things look absolutely beautiful. Just amazing. But awesome choice for 75. Let's move on to 74. Okay, what you uh, got? This is Dead of Winter, a Crossroads game. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. This was all the hotness, what, five years ago or whatever. Um, this is a cooperative game, but with a traitor element. And... This is post-apocalyptic, so of course we've got zombies, and we're trying to survive a certain set amount of uh, nights and try not to uh, get uh, stabby stabbed or bitty bit by the uh, <laughs> zombies there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're doing is you're collecting resources, trying to fight them off and save uh, certain locations. The game changes; it, um, it changes from uh, game to game with different missions, and of course you have that really cool crossroads deck. So that's a very narrative-driven uh, uh, game where you're going to flip over cards and. Not not all the cards have to do with your game. You may just have to pass over certain cards, but a lot of them will trigger events and whatnot. Um, I absolutely love this game. This is one of those games that I always I can always remember the stories from each game. It's mm. very narrative focused. I still remember the first time I played it. My buddy uh, Grant, no, my buddy Graham, wherever you are, my my friend, I'll never forget you hosing me over this game you you <laughs> convinced the rest of the table that i was the traitor even though i wasn't the traitor i got exiled and he won the game because he was a traitor it's moments like that that i love in board games um now this isn't going to be for everyone because there is some backstabbingness to it you can play it cooperatively by taking that out just not having a a, a traitor in the game yeah um so there are ways to get around that but i mean you got sparky the stud dog the greatest character ever they, I mean, they released <laughs> comic books about this stuff it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful cooperative with a trader game. It's one that's still on my shelf. And that's why it's our number 74, Dead of Winter. I will have to very embarrassingly admit I have never played Dead of Winter. And it has been on my list of... I mean, every time I go to a convention, seems like the two days after, somebody reminds me, why didn't you play Dead of Winter while you were there? You were right there. It was in the... Anybody would have played it with you. Everybody but you has played it and knows it. Someday I will play it. It seems so cool. And that whole idea of, hey, no, we're on the same team. Except for you, no, he's he was the one. I, uh, yeah. And um, although I mean, I'd love to play co-op too. As I understand it, there originally it was a three-player minimum game. Eventually, they put out two-player rules as well. And I guess yeah. it's okay as a two-player game, right? But you really yeah. need to have that group, right? You you really need the group. Yeah. It's just that tension of knowing, like Battlestar Galactica. You know, one's a Cylon. In this case, you know, one's a traitor. It's like, oh, who is it? And it's. Oh, it works so well. But hopefully one of these days you'll get to play it. Someday. Uh, Number 74, Dead of Winter. Someday. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But let's move on to number 73, Railways of the World. Ooh, great choice. Now, have you played any of Martin Wallace's, you know, you've got Steam and Age of Steam and you've got Railways. Are are these your jam? 
Um, they are becoming my jam, but I oh, really? really like Nerwiz. Yes. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Well, um, then, oh, then you have good taste, sir. Uh, this is Thank absolutely you. phenomenal. And I think the thing that impresses me most about it is just how deep and rich this is. Um, and yet, th- it, it comes with like I think three pages of rules that you can yeah. read. You can sit down and read the entirety of the rules and understand all the basics you need to know in like ten minutes. Uh, you know, this is the epitome of high. Heavy crunch and super simple lightweight rules that drive everything in this gigantic, and I mean physically gigantic, um, railroad simulation. Now, I'm playing here Railways of the World with the Europe map, which is the way we fell in love with it. Because as two-player gamers, the first time we ever played Railways of the World, which comes with the Eastern United States map, it was like, ah, this isn't really so great. It's too wide open. There's not much tension. I think the original game also comes with the Mexico map, which is so tight yes. and cutthroat, we hated it. But when we played <laughs> Europe with all those mountain ranges, you have to deal with it just kind of tighten the board up naturally we really fell in love and really at its heart this probably more than anything else i appreciate about this game is the the uh the growth you as a player go through. You start out just trying to put a couple little rails out, trying to get some trains on the ground to connect a few cities so that you can move cubes from one city to another. I mean, I don't know what's in these cubes. Uh, are they meat? Are they potatoes? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. You just got to get those cubes from one city to another. And um, over the course of the game, as you set up these initial routes, it's not a one-time thing. When I make that delivery of the black cube to whatever city it was going to, um, that means I'm going to get income for the rest of the game off that one action. And so these things compound and get bigger and bigger. So by the time you're in the game, you are making such monstrously huge turns that would seem to be impossible, inconceivable at the end of the game, that it is so satisfying to go on that journey. Now, it is a long journey. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a journey with, you know, actually kind of in stark contrast to what I was talking about earlier, Ark Nova, a big long game that has a not insignificant amount of luck with Drock of the Draw. There's some of that here because there's some cards that will come out at the beginning of every round. But those cards aren't don't just go to whoever just happens to fall into your lap. If you want those cards that happen to fall into your lap, luckily, you got to bid for them. Every round starts yep. with an auction. And if everybody can see, oh my god, that would be perfect for you. This game takes care of that because we're going to make you pay for it. Um, so everything is simple and elegant and fast. And this game is so much more than the sum of its parts. Uh, I mean, you will spend hours at the table. Those hours will melt away and you will feel like you have accomplished so much in number 73, Railways of the World. And then on top of that, there's a whole bunch of maps that have come out for it. Maps are still, even though this game is, what, 10 years old? There are still, Mm -hmm. every year, new, really cool maps that have new rules from some of the hottest designers working in the industry because everybody loves this one so much. Didn't uh, Vitel Lacerda come out with a map? Yes, he did one for Portugal. I think um, um, uh, Sashi Hisashi, the Japanese dyer, he did uh, uh, Railways of Tokyo. So, so cool. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal game. Love it. You know, I was really surprised uh, that you put it on here, though, because it's a pickup and delivery game. No, it's not. No, it's It's not. not. At no point do I ever have to take a cube put it on my little train, and then spend the next three turns slowly moving it around the board until it can go somewhere. I never deliver anything in this game. All I do is facilitate these cities being able to ship their own stuff. Because once the track is there, once the trains are there, those cubes just teleport around. Because that's not my job. 
I'm the logistics infrastructure guy. I'm not the guy who actually runs the trains. It is very incorrectly, in my opinion. I've had this argument with a lot of people over the years. Um, okay. Maybe it might be an R and argument somewhere down the road think, uh, on our extended should, yeah, version of the show. Not- yeah, that, that's interesting because I always thought of it as a pickup and delivery game. But you know, if you're you're right, if you're just building the infrastructure and they magically teleport, maybe maybe yeah. you're right. Well, we'll have to do an R and R argument one of these days. On that I one. look forward to it, but, and I will crush yes. you just like I crushed uh, oh, Jason well. Levine of the Dice Tower when he and I had this argument. <laughs> nice. All right, great choice for seventy three. Let's move on to seventy two. Uh, this is the quest for El Dorado. I had to come back to the good doctor because yes. I am a huge Canizia fan. And this may not be the last uh, game that we see on this list from uh, Reiner Canizia. I believe this is our this second. Is I his... put raw on, uh, in a, in a right. previous episode. So he's, yeah. he's, he's showing and up. He's uh, he's making a good presentation so far. Yeah. And he will, he will definitely make another spoiler. Alert, he will make another appearance okay. or two uh, coming up, but this one is his take on deck building. Uh, he took deck building a very uh, uh, simple mechanism and, fused it with a race game yes. and what you're doing is you're sort of like indiana jones trying to race to the temple trying to beat everyone else there and you're doing that through the use of deck building you have a standard deck of cards you will play you know you draw a few and then play a few as you can and you're going to buy cards to improve your deck uh some will give you currency some will give you movement and so forth some have special abilities it's a wonderful game uh if you're any kind of fan of deck building and or racing game this is one of the best racing games out there honestly and the fact that they do it with uh, deck building, um, I, I just think that was a genius move. Um, it replays well because you can have different maps and uh, you know all the, the ways the different cards come yep. out. My only complaint, I do have a complaint about okay. this game. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly enough, the size of the cards. Why do we have to go with these <laughs> tiny cards for this? <laughs> that is you a know, really good point. Stuff, that never occurred know, to me. There's no reason deck for building it. cards. You know, like what? What is? I, I I don't get that. But that's my only complaint. Um, but. The good doctor, he is a genius. And that's why it's our number 72, The Quest for El Dorado. Yeah, and and well-deserved. This is such a phenomenal race slash deck building. And it was the first time Reiner Canizio had ever done a deck builder. Uh, yeah. um, you know, and, and he just knocked it out of the park. Just so yeah. much fun. I am so happy to see that one on the list. One of my favorite race games of all time. Definitely. Agreed. Good okay. call. Good call. Thanks, sir. But we're almost done, and um, I've got one more big heavy beast to talk to you folks today. It's number 71 on the list, Blackout Hong Kong. Um, you know, we just had a Reiner Knizia. You know, he's old guard, one of the greatest designers of all time. That's an interesting t- Is he the greatest designer of all time? I don't know. Um, he might be He might be the most prolific, right? That's certainly an interesting argument games. to have, too. I would be down for that uh, debate. Yeah. But, uh, so... Out with the old, in with the new, I say. Let's talk about Blackout Hong Kong from design superstar Alexander Pfister. I love everything Alex does. Um, there are always, I mean, he does little tiny, quick, fast games, but he also does these big, bombastic, heavy Euro, um, you know, economic goods, manipulation, logistics challenges, too. I love this game because of the story. Uh, even though this is a competitive game, Hong Kong, Marte Hong Kong, has been plunged into a blackout. What is the story here? Who are we? We are not, um, you know, members of the government. We are not, um, you know, people fleeing for our lives. We're just regular citizens who have decided we have to go out into the night and try to help people and try to save people and organize um, rescue crews to rebuild infrastructure, get people the supplies they need. And it's, I, I've always loved that story. It's so beautiful. And, um, you know, to kind of 
call back to the beginning of the show when I was talking about Roman in Ukraine. He could have gotten out with his family, but he didn't. He stayed. He stayed to help his fellow people. That's what you do in this game. This game allows you to be, you know, the hero that we would all wish we could be in real life and that some people are are, are being forced to be right now. But the gameplay itself is absolutely stellar. Uh, it, it actually borrows the, um, the kind, what would you call it? It's kind of hard to say. It's a very interesting take on deck building where you play cards and you put them into multiple discard queues and you won't get those cards back out of that queue until a certain number, a certain time has passed or certain events and all that. He did it originally in Mombasa. It was pretty cool there, but he tweaked it in such ways that I think made it so much more interesting and compelling here. There's a lot of really interesting, tough planning. And then also, I just love how really thematically grounded the game is. You know, the way the different resources can be transported around the city differently, depending on whether it's food or water. Um, We are trying to um, help get the lights back on, and so, you know, uh, different sectors of the city will, you know, become available. Uh, It's got a Rondell, one of my favorite mechanisms of all time, and this is a Rondell with dice on it that's making a constantly evolving Rondell. And then if all that weren't enough, and it is, this is a phenomenal game, one of Fister's best as far as I'm concerned, it also includes a little mini narrative story campaign that you can play through, where every chapter, um, you know, is the, I guess the blackout lasts, night after night after night, more new special rules get added to the game. So you've got that to play through as well. Not necessary. The game would have been great even without it, but I love it even more because it actually tells an ongoing story that you can get involved with over... I think it's like five chapters long. It's a pretty short one. It's there. Um, if you don't you don't like it, don't worry about it. But yeah, I love this one. It's not my favorite Fister, but it is um, one of them. I don't want to spoil future stuff on the list. But yeah, uh, it is absolutely fantastic. I love everything about this game, yeah. Blackout Hong Kong. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I I don't think we've heard the last of Alexander Fister no. or Reiner Knizia on this list. <laughs> I think that looking is Looking forward yeah. to uh, seeing what other games are in there. All right, we did it. We're up to number 70, which will be next time. Uh, wow, we've, we've been doing this uh, every couple, so we do 10 per week. Wow, we still got a ways to we go. we got a ways this to go. We're really... going to be doing this, if I recall correctly, until sometime in June. So, nice. um Get comfortable, folks. We will be back next week with uh, continuing. Uh, next week, we'll be doing our, uh, what do you call it? Our number uh, 70 to 69. 70. And uh, right. I, I can't wait. We're 61. And I can't wait to see what Real comes up with. Uh, we each have our 50. And so far, I can't disagree with any of your choices. You have knocked it out of the park, sir. Yeah, you've been rocking it as well. And, All right. Um, now, the important thing is, yes. folks, did you hear one of us say, the word potato or potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you did, write down the name of the game uh, that we were talking about at that time and send it in a email to contest at rado.com and you'll be entered to win the Azul prize pack from our friends at Plan B Games. Yes. Uh, and thank you, Plan B Games, for um, donating that and helping support the show. Thank you, uh, Ruel, for going on this crazy journey with me and uh you know making it just a joy to uh keep her thank you of course for watching and finally of course thanks to sponsors of the show key enigma you can check out their latest on kickstarter right now Follow the links down in the show notes. All the older ones i showed you are available as part of this expansion too there's so much goodness in there thanks for watching everybody talk to you later so long bye bye